Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, Leadership for Organizational Growth. In it, you'll explore various leadership styles and theories of leadership, as well as best practices for developing the specific leadership skills you need to drive revenue growth. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three, four, six. This is the show's producer, Rylan Sylvester, and today we have our host, Elizabeth Frederick, in the guest seat. In addition to hosting Let's Talk Sales, Elizabeth is the operations officer and senior advisor at Criteria for Success. Welcome to the show as a guest, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Rylan. It is nice and interesting to be on the hot seat this time. <laughs> I'm guessing our loyal listeners know you pretty well, but would you like to introduce yourself anyway in case we have any new listeners for this episode? Yeah, and actually it's kind of funny because if you think about it, I don't ever really introduce myself on the podcast. Uh, I'm always talking about our guests. <laughs> so um, I've been at Criteria for Success for 14 and a half years at this point. And as uh, as the operations officer, I do a lot of, of running the business and managing marketing and finance and, and other teams. But I also, as a senior advisor, work with all of our clients. And to me, the most fun part of my job is that we get to identify problems and solve them. And I've always been a bossy person and very opinionated. Um, I think that probably comes with being one of the oldest of six kids. And uh, it's nice to be in a position where people pay me for my advice and expertise, and I actually can can help. There's there's nothing more satisfying than when you see the light bulb go off over somebody's head. You see um, the results of. Uh, a best practice that you've provided, advice that you've given. And that's something that I'm always looking to do. That's great. What a wonderful introduction. So you're always looking to provide value. I love that. I try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we decided to do this like mini episode today, uh, just to clue in our listeners, because we've been hearing a lot of talk from our clients and network about stress and fatigue and burnout. And so I thought it would be good if you and I kind of had this like weeks, we did this a little bit like a couple weeks ago with Charles, but maybe if you and I went over this, because I know that this is a topic that you are well versed in and have a lot of insight about. So can you talk to me a bit more about um, clients and our network and hearing about people with their stress, fatigue and burnout? Absolutely. And I'm actually going to start a little closer to home with myself. So um, one reason we've had some re-airs on the podcast lately and some mini episodes, in addition to um, us wanting to, you know, provide uh, advice and value that's relevant for the moment, is I recently got COVID for the second time this year, and I was exhausted. And I think part of likely what made me open to getting COVID is the the level of exhaustion or burnout that I might have been experiencing before, right? Our bodies are not as good at fighting off a virus if we're if we're a little bit worn down. And certainly, um, you know, the one of the major symptoms of COVID is the one I got, which is fatigue. And it's it's exhausting when you when you feel like your brain is foggy, when you feel like you you want to do things but you just can't get up off the couch. That's burnout fatigue related to a specific virus. But I think we can all think of times when we've just been burned out. We didn't have COVID, you know. Um, 
so so I see that myself. A, a, another thing that I'm seeing, and again, I'm going to use myself an ex- as an example, probably quite a few times because I, I feel like that's always helpful for people to to know these are real stories. You know, um, I've been working for my dining room table for two years now, and I am really sick of my dining room table. <laughs> and I, one thing that I've recently done is um, I'm redoing a room in my apartment to be an office where I'm going to have a workspace that's dedicated that will be beautiful and functional and really designed for work. And the amount of energy that I get when I think about working from the office versus how I feel when I'm sitting at the dining room table, it's amazing to see the difference. And so, you know, there's so many people who feel stuck and stuck is uh, a key indicator of potential burnout. When we hear talk about, you know, the great resignation, about so many people leaving their jobs and trying to find fulfillment, find something that feels satisfying, that a lot of times is a result of burnout. And if people felt like they were more connected and getting more from their jobs, they would be a lot less likely to quit. And so what I see with a lot of our clients and what I'm hearing when I talk to people in my network, people just feel stretched thin. You know, um, maybe some people in the organization have quit and everybody else is trying to make up for their workload, but there's no more bodies and there's still just the same amount of work. Um, People are dealing with ongoing issues related to, you know, the supply chain, related to um, difficulties uh, because, you know, their customers are working from different places, all kinds of things like that. And they feel like my job got harder. I'm not getting paid more. I do not have more hours in the day or days in the week. And I don't know how I'm going to get this done. And so you see some people leave and other people stay and just get more and more and more burnt out. And so that's something that we've seen um, really in so many people over the last few years. And definitely as we're, you know, now two plus years into into yeah. this situation, um, it's really continuing to reverberate. Right. Absolutely. Um, you talked a little bit before about stuck or feeling stuck or being stuck as a key indicator of, you know, someone exhibiting like stress or fatigue or burnout, maybe you could share some other things. Like how can you tell if your team is dealing with this sort of stress or like, what does it look like in an organization? Absolutely. So when you're looking at yourself, it's, we are kind of conditioned to just put our heads down and work, 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 and not do a whole lot of self-reflection. But if you can even take a few moments to look at yourself, it's pretty easy to find within yourself even physical symptoms of burnout, right? You're going to feel exhausted. You might feel worn down. You can't tell that with other people, with your Mm -hmm. team. Um, I mean, you can certainly tell if people have like dark circles under their eyes, but that could be because they've got a screaming baby at home or it could be because they're massively burned out. So when you look at your team, you can't as much see the physical symptoms that you would be able to recognize in yourself. Instead, you want to look at behavioral symptoms. Um, A person, let's say we're we're trying to find individuals who are experiencing burnout, and then I'll talk about if your whole team is. (laughs) So an individual experiencing burnout, you might see that they are showing up late to things more often than they used to, that they don't seem to care about personal presentation 
maybe to a level that they did before. I'm not saying that people need to be wearing, you know, a three-piece suit, but if you see somebody that consistently seems like they're showing up in their pajamas and they used to look nice, that could be a sign of burnout. Um, You might see that people are unable to make decisions where a lot of things are going to them and they, they're a bottleneck in the process. Mm. They're just, they're not able to kind of complete things or, or do their key part. Um, you might see that they become less responsive to email. And a lot of times they'll withdraw and pull back. So let's say you have a weekly team meeting, whether it's in person or on Zoom, and you've got a lot of people chatting and talking about, you know, the weather and their kids and their plans for the weekend. A person who's burnt out is likely kind of checked out of that conversation. And that can be because they're just overall disengaged, or it can be because they're they're almost feeling like, how do you guys have time to think about all of this stuff? I'm just trying to stay afloat, mm-hmm. right? And so looking for somebody that's that's kind of pulling back, that's isolating. Uh, another behavior that you may see, and, and this really just depends on the person, um, sometimes people start to become kind of sharper in communication and more snappy. And so you see people that just seem, you know, more on the edge when it comes to the the general kindness and politeness that we would expect of colleagues. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody who's really burnt out, depending. Some people are, are going to be nice, you know, and smile their way out the door, but others might get a little bit more snappy and, and short-tempered. Right. So that's kind of like individual identifiers. Is there anything maybe if it's just for your team or your group or do those apply to both things? Absolutely. So when it comes to a group, you're going to be looking at some of the same things. Mm -hmm. But what's really important to understand about burnout is that one person's burnout affects the whole team and becomes contagious. And if you think about it this way, if you if you think back to whether it was working in an office, whether it was even at school with your circle of friends or in your family when you come home, if one person is in a really, really bad mood and everybody else is just kind of fine, spend time together for an hour and everybody is going to be in a little bit of a bad mood, right? <laughs> it, it kind of leaks out. It's, it's yeah. not the most pleasant feeling. Um, we've all probably been one of the people that was the person who was spreading the contagion. And sometimes we've been the person who who received it. The same thing happens with burnout. And it comes in two ways. One way is a person who's burned out is likely not achieving at a high level that they usually would be in. So if they would typically get 100 things done, they may feel like I now have 200 things to do and they're getting 70 things done. Mm-hmm. And so you will have people who are not getting the work product that they need, who are getting responses that are late, who are seeing that that you're drop, you know, that that a person is is dropping a ball. And then that creates more work and more stress for others. And so that can increase their chance of burnout. You also see the the psychological, the the cultural. You know, if you have some people who are withdrawing and not speaking up. Let's say you have, um, you know, a, a fun conversation on a Zoom call and you've got a team of 10. If one person is kind of withdrawn, eh, you know, not a, not a huge deal. And then maybe two people start to be a little bit withdrawn. And mm-hmm. it doesn't take very many for it to suddenly be crickets and everybody kind of steps back. Let's say 
you have an office in person Mm -hmm. and somebody just sits at their desk and they don't chat with people at the coffee machine. They don't, um, they don't, you know, walk past your office and pop their head in and, and, you know, ask how your weekend went. They don't sit down for lunch with people. That is another thing that that's contagious. And the, it's almost like planets drifting apart and that can lead to more burnout because one of the best ways to prevent and ameliorate burnout is, uh, is that sense of community, is that sense that we're a team, we're all working together, we're, we'll help and support each other. And um, in that way, that can really contribute. So you're going to see some of the same signs, but they'll, they'll start to spread. And that's a real indicator that you've got some sort of a problem. Okay, Elizabeth, so we talked about identifying key indicators in people individually and then people in a group and how to see if they're stressed or fatigued or getting a sense of their burnout level. Um, So let's talk about now, are there any solutions we can offer to these problems? Like what have you seen work and what have you seen not work? Maybe what have you seen not work first? And then on a positive note, on a what have you seen work? (laughs) Yeah, I would say the biggest thing that I see that doesn't work is when leadership seems disconnected from the problem and they offer things that are not helpful. Um, I have an explicit example from earlier today. Uh, I was talking to a client and they mentioned, we're recording this, by the way, the Thursday before Memorial Day weekend. And uh, somebody in a leadership role said, yeah, um, they gave us tomorrow off as an extra holiday, but I know I won't be taking it. And I'm sure most of you won't be either. And the number of times I see clients where, and, and it doesn't always come from leadership. A lot of times people elect to do this on their own and it's not because they really want to, but you know, they, they work on the weekends. They, um, you, you give them holidays. You say, Oh, you can, you can leave, you know, you get summer Fridays, you're done at noon or at two or whatever. Um, but then they're not taking it. And so as a leader at an organization, you need to really look at the, the things that you've done, the opportunities that you've given people to refresh themselves, to be renewed. And if they're not using them, you need to really go back to the drawing board and figure out why that is. If it's a staffing issue and there's just too much work to get done, you need to really invest in hiring. You can't just say take Friday off. If people don't have time to take Friday off, they're not going to take Friday off. And then it's just kind of pointless words and it's not it's not a real effort. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like why offer, you know, if someone knows it's going to be an empty promise, that's so disappointing. Um, yeah. And and when it feels like, well, maybe senior senior leadership is going to take Friday off because they don't have as much work as my team does, but my right. whole team is going to be working on Friday, that fosters resentment. And mm-hmm. resentment is a really toxic <laughs> element to be added to any any company culture. And that's when you really start seeing people you know, updating their resumes. Absolutely. Yeah. So that disconnection becomes um, resentment, which becomes toxic for the workplace, which then just everybody's unhappy and you're not going to get the work done at the end of the day. And also people, don't we want a happy team? (laughs) (laughs) You know, when you want to think about, okay, on the other side, like you were asking before, what are the things that we do see that are working um, and and that have helped? Um, there's, There's a lot that does unfortunately need to be done by the individual. But as a leader, you can enable that and you can make space for that. So one of the most important things, 
and I know that this, I am coming from a place of privilege when I say this, and I know that a lot of organizations are really, really running lean, but you do need to look at the workload and make sure you have reasonable expectations. Um, If you have a situation where people are going to be stretched thin and there is too much work for them to do, you could put banners on the walls and give people prizes and be the nicest teddy bear of a boss that there ever has been, and people (laughs) will still burn out. And so the foundation has to be at, at the basic level that the job can be done by the team that is in place without anybody having to stretch themselves too thin to do it. So that's kind of the foundation of all of this. And leaders are the only ones in the organization who are positioned to do that level of analysis and to actually make that change, right? Um, there's a lot that an individual can do for themselves. But if, if the situation is the situation, then they're going to still be stressed out. They're going to still be burned out. And so that's, that's the first step. The next thing that leaders can do is once you've determined, you know what, we, it, it, it should be feasible. This isn't more than we expected of people before. We've seen that, that this level of productivity um, is, is expected. And, and then what you're going to see is that people who are burnt out, again, to that example earlier, you know, of 170, right? There, there's 100 tasks that mm-hmm. they should actually be able to do. When they were doing well, when they didn't seem burned out, they did 100. Maybe they're right now at 70. And it can be tempting to say, you know, I'm just going to create the space and expect them to fill it in. But you may need to address for a short-term basis, can we take those 30 things and spread them out, not stretch anybody else too thin, but get through the catch-up process so that you're kind of starting with a blank slate. And if anybody's ever um, looked at the concept of declaring email bankruptcy, it's kind of the same thing here where you want to wipe the slate clean and avoid anything terrible that could happen. So that could look like a manager sitting down with somebody and saying, okay, let's go through each of your projects, each of your areas of responsibility, and just have a heart-to-heart conversation. Where are we with each one? What are any red flags? What needs to get done? And sometimes we create more stress for ourselves because we're perfectionists or because we just don't have the energy to get started. And the thing would actually be five minutes if we just did it, right? Mm -hmm. And so having a a real, honest, in-depth conversation about just what the workload is and then figuring out a plan is one of the best ways a leader can support an individual who's burned out because then you're you're showing your level of support, right? You're not and hopefully you're you're a collaborative partner in this conversation. This is not you yelling at someone. <laughs> but um what happens when we get burned out? We get in our own way. And what you can do is help somebody just kind of settle down. And so that that's how you address the the facts of the situation and can create an environment where then the other things can work. And other things, I mean, I, I'm sure people have, have heard all of these best practices. You know, um, the first level is are people taking care of themselves physically? 
Are they getting sleep? Mm -hmm. Are they eating? Are they, you know, showering and and dressing and and getting some sunlight? You know, we're we're basically plants. We need need to get our our food and our water and our sun and it's, it's good for us. And so if people aren't, aren't doing that, um, it's, it's hard to, I mean, as a boss, you can't, I mean, I suppose you could set up an app room, but um, it's, it's difficult to do that. So you want to create a space for people to do that for themselves. Um, then there is uh, the level of just creating a, a space of community where you check in on people, where you recognize accomplishments, even if they're small accomplishments on the way to a bigger goal celebrating wins along the way is really helpful. Um, Having a culture and and creating an environment where people are able to raise their hand and say, I don't think I can get this done. I don't think we have the resources to get this done by the deadline. That is, that's something you build up kind of brick by brick, day by day as a leader and being open to feedback jumping in and helping solve a problem if a problem is raised. If people feel like I can't share this with anybody, I'm a loser. I'm a terrible person. I just need to put my head down and, you know, just try to ride this out. It it turns from resentment at the organization a lot of times into blaming themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's another um another path on the journey to significant burnout and to a lot of times leaving the organization. So let's recap the positive ones. (laughs) I actually can add something that I didn't talk about because this is, this is important and this is something that the organization can support. Um, We have been pinging each other back and forth today about the time to schedule this recording. Again, going back to the personal because (laughs) I was in back-to-back meetings (laughs) and literally from, you know, 10, 15 this morning until one o'clock, two o'clock, one o'clock. I forget what time it was even. I'm, I'm completely discombobulated. I did not have a gap on my calendar. That is not a good idea. <laughs> and, right. um, you know, we are, we are biological beings. We need to, you know, eat. We need to use the facilities. We need yeah. to do other things. We need to get up and move. And if you can set an expectation within your team, I do not expect or even want to see back to backs. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a wonderful thing. Um, th- this is not an ad, but we use a tool called Calendly. I'm sure some people will be aware of that. It lets you send a link to people, like here's my 30 minute meeting link, and then people can see the availability on your calendar and schedule it. And you can set in the in the settings for an individual meeting type and say only let people schedule this with a 15 minute buffer between this and any other meetings. Mm-hmm. And I spent a bunch of time yesterday <laughs> actually tweaking some of the some of our, our calendar meeting setups to create that buffer because I realized we were consistently falling into back-to-backs because people were scheduling them, you know, for us and we weren't always making that choice. Right. Scheduling time for breaks, for lunch and as a leader you need to be the example for your team. Mm-hmm. Research has shown, for example, that in organizations where leaders don't take parental leave, fewer people in the organization who are not leaders take parental leave. But if you see a leader 
who takes the full parental leave and really um, uses it for what it's for, right? It's for it's for bonding with a, with a new child. Yeah. Then you see employees um, are are going to take it. If you have um, a CEO who is emailing people every minute of every day on vacation. When people go on vacation, they feel like they have to be checking their email every minute mm-hmm. of every day. And so as a leader, you have a responsibility to both model the behavior that you want your team to see and to not set um, inappropriate expectations. And so that that can look like, you know, the way you set up your calendar and the way you interact with your team. Because one of the best things that you can do, and this actually goes back to um a former guest on the podcast, Marilyn Paul. Um, I think I spoke mm-hmm. to her. You can include a link in the show notes. I think it might have been episode 303, but yeah. don't quote me on that. <laughs> and um, we talked a lot in our conversation about the importance of not just having, you don't want to just constantly be pulling, pulling, pulling things out of you. You need to constantly be pushing in, right? And so if you feel like your energy is getting sucked out, you need to have activities and times that you're being poured into. And so whether that's going out and taking a walk in nature, if you have that ability, mm-hmm. um, I'm one of those crazy houseplant people. I think I have about 50 houseplants in my apartment. And <laughs> I try on days that I'm that I'm being responsible to get up and look at my plants and, you know, mist the ones that need misting and cut off any dead leaves and all of that, it, it breaks throughout the day. And it's just, it's so nice to see the new growth and it's nice to get up and move around and to feel like I'm caring for something. And it's, it's a silly little thing, but it's a great way to use, you know, 10 minutes that opens up on my calendar. Um, if you have the ability to either cook and eat or at least sit down at a table and eat a legitimate lunch, <laughs> um, making time to do that. And so again, a lot of this can be can be set by leaders, but just as an, at an individual level, really looking for those things that fill you up, that make you feel good, that refresh you. Um, that's such an important thing. And especially when you have types of meetings on your calendar or you have certain people that you interact with, that you feel like they are sucking the goodwill, you know, the will to live right out of you. (laughs) Um, Planning for that and scheduling intentional good things, you know, around it can be really helpful, whether you're currently feeling like you're in a place of burnout or just as a preventative measure to, you know, hopefully not not drag you down that path. So, you know, if I know from two o'clock to three o'clock, I have the meeting that I dread every week, what can I do at three o'clock that is going to be fun and interesting? You know, I'm not saying like go to an amusement park, but um, something that's just going to make you feel a little bit better after you have that that energy drain. I know I talked a lot, but um, obviously you can tell this is something I'm very passionate about. <laughs> <laughs> what my takeaway is as a leader, set an example for your people for taking time to themselves, but also let people and enable them to take time for themselves. Don't do the empty promises and say, yeah, you know, you sh- you got to take care of yourself. You know, they have to actually be given the time to take care of themselves. Absolutely. So this was really great. I think because I, I kind of advertise this as a, a mini episode, I think we should sort of wind down. And I was wondering, you already named Marilyn Paul as an episode, but are there any other resources you'd like to recommend to the listeners? 
that you haven't Absolutely. So um, I am going to rec- recommend a couple more podcast guests that we've had because yeah. um, I found them really compelling. Um, Verity Simcox, I spoke to about coaching and, and supporting your team. And she really has um, an emphasis on integrating um, mental health and actual, um, you know, discussions of that into a business conversation, into a coaching conversation that I think is really interesting. And then from a preventative side, I've had a couple of conversations with Dr. Russell Thackeray, and he is all about resilience. And you need to create the systems and processes and create a space and a community and a culture um, to, to prevent burnout. But um, a key part of that is resilience, because then when, you know, the big event comes up, when everybody needs to be just head down, getting something done this week, you don't want that to incite burnout. And one of the great ways to help with that is to develop resilience and and practices around resilience. So those are three um, former podcast guests that I would definitely recommend. Fantastic. And I know you get to ask this to people all the time, but now I get to ask you, where can listeners learn more about you and your work? What a brand new question. Never heard that before. <laughs> so um, you can learn more about me and my work at CFS at criteriaforsuccess.com. And then you can always find me on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Elizabeth. I have so enjoyed being in, on this side of the microphone, Ryan. Thank you so much. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. You can find the notes and resources for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three, four, six. As a reminder, if you subscribe to the show, you'll get every new episode as soon as it's posted. You can subscribe for free wherever you're listening right now. If you enjoyed today's show, please recommend us to a friend to help more people discover it. We love feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us with feedback, questions, and guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook, and don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling!